Galatians 5 and Matthew 11. Galatians chapter 5. For some time now I have been speaking on the fruit of the Spirit. Taken from Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. I have been treating each expression of the grace of the fruit of the Spirit. I read from verse 22 and 23. If you have not been here, you can get the tape. It will bless you. It will enrich you. It will help you. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. The Bible says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. If you've been following us, we have dealt with love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. By the grace of God is the next one that we are dealing with today. Matthew 11 now. Matthew chapter 11. And I'm reading from verse 28 and 29 only. Matthew 11 verse 28 and 29 only. The word of God says, Come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me for i am meek and lowly in heart and ye shall find rest unto your souls by the grace of god this morning i'll be sharing a message titled an essential for christians an essential for christians when we say something is essential we mean it is absolutely necessary when we say something is essential, we mean it is fundamental. It is basic, it is primary, it is at the center of. It is something that is required. So I'm sharing a message titled, An Essential for Christians. Shall we pray, Father? The entrance of your word giveth light and indeed giveth understanding to the simple. Thank you for the word you are sending to your people today. Psalm 107 verse 20 said, You sent your word and your word healed them. And your word delivered them from all their destructions. Let the potential in the word you are sending today be manifest in our lives. By the fruit we will begin to bring forth. We honor and praise you because you will anoint me now, Father, as an oracle of God will I speak. And you will anoint the people, O oh God, that they will listen with rapt attention. And receive doctrine, correction, reproof, and instruction in righteousness. The type that will make them better people in everything they do, in every place they go. We give you the glory for all that is wrought among us. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Can I have an amen? amen? An essential for Christians. We are still talking about the fruit of the Spirit under the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Because the fruit of the Spirit are produced in our lives by the Holy Spirit as He works within us to produce the image of Christ. Let me start by saying this. One of the privileges you and I have as born-again Christians or as believers in Jesus Christ is an unquestionable access to God's infinite resources. One of the blessings and benefits that you and I have as Christians is that we have access, access as it were, to the infinite resources of God. As a child of God, you have access to the resources of God. And that is the reason why, as a child of God, you should not be receiving the same thing this year that you received last year. 
Because Proverbs chapter 4 verse 18 says, The path of the righteous is like a shining light that shineth more and more to the perfect day. You have access to the infinite resources of God. And that is why you should not be receiving the same thing. And that is why you should not be receiving, receiving or settling for anything less than what you desire. Proverbs chapter 10 verse 24 says, The desires of the righteous shall be granted. And so there is no reason for you to settle for anything less than what you desire. Proverbs 11 verse 23 says, The desire of the righteous is good. I mean, what you desire is a good desire. Desire to be married, desire to get a new job, desire to change a house, desire to have clothes that you can wear. All of those desires are good. As a child of God, you are supposed to have access to the infinite resources of God. And that is why you should not receive anything less than what you desire. And that is also the reason why you should not receive anything else in the place of what you want from God. There is no reason as a child of God why you should receive anything else in the place of what you desire from God. If you desire a Mercedes Benz car from God, there is no reason why you should settle for a Volkswagen. If you desire for a Christian loving, compassionate husband, there is no reason for you to settle for anything else than what you desire and than what the word of God promises you you can have. So as a child of God, one of the, one of the outstanding, unquestionable privileges you have is access to the infinite resource of God. And that is why you should not receive the same thing you received last year, this year. That is why you should not receive less than what you desire. And that is why the reason, and that is also the reason why you should not receive something else in the place of what you desire. And that is also the reason why you should not tolerate unnecessary delays in the things that you want from God. The first choice of God is to do a quick walk. As a child of God, you have access. You need to bond that into your spirit. You need to comprehend the length and the breadth and the height and the width of that statement. As a child of God, as a child of God, there is, you have an unquestionable access to the infinite resource of God. And that is something that is your right. It is something that becomes yours when you give your life to Christ. The treasure house of heaven became a place into which you can have access by asking or praying. It became a place in which you can receive and have your heart desires granted. Psalm 145 verse 16, the word of God says he opens his hands and he fulfills the desires of the living. Have I said that? Let me move on here. As a child of God, of the many resources of God, of the many resources that God possesses, there is one that is outstanding. You know the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8 verse 23, that he that fell not to be gotten some forgiven for us, how will he not together with him give us all things? First Timothy 6 17. He says he gives us richly all things to enjoy. First Corinthians 2 12. He says he gives them to us freely. Psalm 84 verse 11. He said, The Lord is a son and a shield. He will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. As a child of God, one of the most outstanding resources of God is his power. That is one of the most outstanding resources of God. His power. The power of God is one of those things you and I have access to. It's one of the most outstanding resources of God. That as a child of God, you have access to. The word of God talking about this resource of God called his power. Says in Psalm 62 verse 11. He said once he said it, twice I had it. The power belonged to God. Of the many resources of God. The one I'm speaking about this morning is the power of God. 
As a child of God, you need to know that one of the resources of God is his power. Romans 13 verse 1. He said, there is no power that be except the name of God. Nahum chapter 1 verse 5, verse 3. Talking about our God. He said, he is great in power. Psalm 147 verse 5. He says, great is the Lord and great in power. So one of the resources of God is his power. Revelations 19.6 He said hallelujah Lord God Omnipotent all powerful Reigns The power of God is one of the resources Of God is one of those resources That you and I as a child of God Have access to The word of God tells us In Matthew chapter 6 verse 13 Jesus Christ telling the apostles or disciples to pray He said after this man I pray he says that will be done as on others is done in heaven. He says, Thine is the kingdom in verse 13. Thine is the kingdom and the power. His is the power. The God we serve is a powerful God. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 40 26 that because he's great in power, Psalm 145 verse 11, he said it will speak of the glory of his kingdom and talk about his power. Psalm 21 verse 13 says, We will sing and praise his power. Psalm 59 verse 16 said, Let us sing of his power and sing of his mercies. Psalm 66 verse 3, God's word says, How terrible art thou in thy works, O God! Through the greatness of thy power shall your enemies submit themselves to you. Psalm 66 verse 7, he says, God ruleth by his power. Psalm 79 verse 11, he said, Let the crime, let the sign of the prisoners come before you, O Lord, according to the greatness of your power. Deliver them. That are appointed to die is great in power. So, one of the resources of God is his power. And as a child of God, you have an unquestionable access to God's resources. You, to, you have an unquestionable access to God's resources. Whatever resource of God that Jesus had access to, you also have access to it. Jesus himself said in John 17, 23, he said, as my father has loved me, even so has he loved you. Ephesians 1, 6, he said, you and I have been accepted in the beloved. Which simply means that anything Jesus had an access to, you and I can have access to it. And because we have been authorized to pray in the name of Jesus, and Jesus, while he was here on earth, had access to that resource, if you therefore pray in his name, that resource cannot but be yours. It cannot but be yours. Why Jesus Christ was here? He had access to the power of God. The Bible tells us in the book of Luke chapter 5 verse 15. Of 5 17. He said the power of the Lord was present to heal. See, Luke 6 17. He said the power of the Lord was present. Ecclesiastes 8 4. He said we are the word of the king is. There is power. So you and I have access to the power of God. And so, as a child of God, there is nothing like a weak child of God. Or a weakling of the child of God. Before we became Christians, the Bible tells us we had no strength. Romans 5, 6, he said, well, we are here without strength. He said, Christ died for us. So after he died for us, everything we lacked before he died for us became ours. We were without strength when he died for us. But after he died for us, strength became our portion. As a child of God, there is nothing like I'm not powerful. Or I do not have power. 
Philippians 4 13, Jesus Christ. Paul speaking, he said, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Not just through the provision of what Christ came to make available, but through the past through the fact that Christ dwelleth in me. Colossians 1.27 says, Christ in you is the hope of glory. For as long as Christ dwells in you because you are born again, you have hope in every situation. There is nothing like a weak child of God or a powerless child of God or a child of God that has no strength. Because as a child of God, you have access to the resource of heaven and power is a resource of heaven. And you have access to power. Power is something that is yours. It's something you have access to. The same way we Jesus had access to it, that is the same way you and I have access to the power of God. And the Bible says it in so many other places. Isaiah 40, verse 29. He said, He giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increases strength. So you cannot say, I cannot do, I am not able, I am not powerful. You can't say that. That is where Joel 3:40 says, Let the weak say, I am strong. Either Joel 3.14 or Joel 3.10. He said, let the weak say. Why should the weak say it? Because the Bible already says it about the weak. Psalm 107 verse 2. He said, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. We have been redeemed and power has been given to us. So there is nothing like you do not have power. Luke chapter 10 verse 19 said, he gave unto us authority or power. To tread upon serpents and scorpions and all powers of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt us. As a child of God, you have access to the resource of God. And one of the most outstanding resources of God is His power. And you and I have access to it. The Word of God says that you and I have access to it. When Christ was here, in Matthew chapter 10 verse 1, Luke chapter 9 verse 1, Mark chapter 6 verse 7, the Bible said He gave unto the twelve power to cast out spirits, evil spirits, and to heal every manner of sickness and disease among the people. He gave them power. The same way he gave them power is the same way he gave you and I power. Acts 1 8, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Jesus Christ told them in Luke 24 49, he says you should, they should tarry in the city of Jerusalem until they be ended with power from on high. And when they tarried and they were ended with power from on high, they became powerful. So there is nothing like a weakling child of God. There is nothing like a child of God who is not strong enough. It may be that you have not come to realize and therefore enter into what is yours. But in divine provision and in biblical exposition, there is nothing like a child of God that is powerless, that is weak, or that is a weakling, or that has no strength. Psalm 68 verse 35, he said God, God has given strength and power to his people. Psalm 28 verse 8 He said the Lord is their seventh strength The Lord is the seventh strength of his anointed Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 18 He said he gave them power He said I am he that giveth you power To get wealth So you and I have power Micah chapter 3 verse 8 He says truly I am full of power By the spirit of the Lord And of might to declare unto Jacob Our transgression and unto Israel her sins What are you saying brother George what I'm saying is this, you and I as a child of God, we have an unquestionable access to heaven's infinite resources. And one of the most outstanding assets of heaven is his power. And you and I have access to that power. There is nothing like a powerless believer. If you feel like it, that does not mean that that is who you are. The fact that you feel something does not mean that is what it is. 
feelings are wrong. Second Timothy 1 7. He said, You have not received the spirit of bondage and of fear, but the spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Where you and I got saved, what was it that we received? Power. John 1 12. To as many that receive him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. So you are a son of God. And you have power. You have been declared to be the son of God by power and the spirit of holiness, according to Romans 1 4. So there's nothing like a weak child of God. It's a privilege that you and I enjoy to have access to unquestionably to the resource of heaven. It's such a blessing. All right, let me move on. Not only as a child of God do we have access to the power of God and therefore we are strong and we are able to do, able to go, able to possess and able to have. I mean, look at Peter. When Peter had no money, he knew that he still had something called power. In Acts 3, 6, he said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. He had power to a point that he could give it to somebody else. In the name of Jesus, he said to the crippled man, Arise and walk. And when the crippled man would not arise, he held him and pulled him up. So you and I have power. But let me move on here. As believers, not only do we have the privilege to have access to the infinite resources of God another privilege that we have as believers is that we have the privilege of being free it sounds and it looks good to be free as a child of God you and I have the privilege it's not just the privilege of his power but we also have the privilege of being free freedom is a mark of the Christian faith God wants you to live a life free he wanted to live a life of freedom. Free of sin and guilt. Free from sicknesses, infirmities and diseases. Free from fear and failure. He wanted to live a life free from torment and anxiety. Jesus came to make the captives free. He came to proclaim liberty to the captives. The second privilege you have is that you don't just have access to God's power, but you are also you still have the privilege to be free. That is what the scripture says about you. John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. And Jesus said unto those Jews that believed in him, If you continue in my words, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, verse 32. And the truth shall make you free. John chapter 8, verse 36. He said, Whomsoever the Son of God shall make free, shall be free indeed. One of the things you and I have, according to Romans 8, 21, is that we have glorious liberty. In Galatians 2.4, Paul was telling the Galatians that some people could come to spy out our liberty. Psalm 119 verse 45, he said, I walk at liberty or I walk at large. Or I walk in perfect freedom because I seek your commandments. So one privilege you and I have as Christians is the, is the privilege of freedom. The privilege of liberty. Galatians 5.1, he says, stand fast in the liberty we are in Christ has set you free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Galatians 4 9 says, Now that you have known Christ, or you have become known by Christ, do you go back to the will you go back to the beggarly elements of the world? Do you want to be in bondage? You and I, as children of God, we are free. That is why Christ came to make us free. It's a privilege to have the power of God, it's a privilege to also be free. 
free from sin and guilt, free from disease, free from anxiety, free from worry. When we say someone is free, what do we mean? When we say someone is free, or someone is at liberty, what do we mean? It means that the person has the power or right to move, to speak, to choose, to act, and to associate the way he wants or wish without any stopping, any restricting, or blocking the individual. The person has the right to act, to move, to speak, to associate the way they want or wish without any person stopping, restricting, or blocking the individual. The Bible talks about the fact that you and I are free. It's a privilege we have. People under the Old Testament did not experience this freedom and liberty that you and I have. First Peter chapter 2 verse 16. He said, as free. We are as free. God's word tells us in Galatians 5, 7, 5 13. He said, brethren, we are called on to liberty. James 2 12. He said, so speak ye and so do ye as those that will be judged by the law of liberty. So you and I as free. It's, it's, it's a privilege we enjoy. Not only do we have access to God's power, but also we are what? Free. Free. In this generation and the period of the church, we are free. We are free to speak. We are free to choose. We are free to dress the way we want. We are free to go to the places we want. We are free to worship where, when, and how we want. We are free to marry. Free to listen to whatever we want. Free to use the power we have. Free. Free. That is a privilege to be free. James 1.25 said, Whosoever, look at, into the perfect love liberty. He be not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the works. That man shall be blessed. You look into the perfect law of liberty. You and I are free. It's a privilege. A wonderful privilege. But also more than that, you and I have access to the power of God. And this is what the Bible says. The Bible says we are free. And the Bible says we have access to the unquestionable, unquestionable access to the resources of heaven. And the one we are dealing with in the resource of heaven is the resource of his power. There is nothing like a child of God who is in bondage or should be in bondage. Galatians 3.13 Christ have redeemed us from the curse of the law. Be made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangs on the tree. That the blessing of Abraham may come upon the Gentiles and that we may receive the promise of the Spirit by faith. So we are free. We are free. Now, the Bible says we have access to the power of God so we are powerful and more than that the Bible says not only are we powerful but we are also free now it sounds good to the ears to hear that we are powerful it also sounds good to the ear to get to know that we are free so by the time you take both together what it simply means is that you and I are free as it were to use the power of God in whatever way that we think we should because we have access to the power and we are free and because we are free and we have access to the power of God then you and I are free to employ and deploy the power of God as it were the way we want but let me say something to you and this is the kernel of my message not only are we free and powerful both of them are privileges 
But in the way God organized things, He has given us access to power and given us liberty and freedom. But you and I are not allowed by scriptures, and the word of God does not say you and I can employ that power freely without taking recognition of our responsibilities our duties and our obligation power and freedom they are privileges but not only does power and freedom stand as privileges in the use of power and in our liberty we need to understand that we have duties obligation and responsibilities and that is what determines eventually how you and I should use power and how you and I should use liberty to the child of God being free is a privilege but it confers upon your responsibility as well to such an extent and degree that in operating as someone who is free you need also to remind yourself of your responsibilities duties and obligation so that you will not misuse power and so that you will not misuse your liberty many children of god who are powerful have misused power they have used power freely without remembering their duties responsibilities and obligation it's good to be powerful it's good to be free but in the use of power and in the use of freedom you need to remember your responsibility let me say it this way one thing which as a believer we need to regard as an essential to be pursued is align our responsibility to determine and restrain us in the use of our privileges in the use of our privileges in the use of our privilege let me say this to you when christ came to this world he was powerful and he was free there was nothing he wanted to do that he could not do if he wanted to kill the people that came to him to capture him he could kill them if he wanted to stop them from crucifying him he could stop them but what was it that determined the use of his power it was his responsibility which was to come into this world and die for humanity that was why he did not use his power in a reckless manner God is all powerful and he's free there is nothing God wants to do that he cannot do but his responsibility is what determines how he uses his power his responsibility is what restrain him as to how he uses his power let me say this to you as a child of God you are powerful you can say anything you want to say you can marry anybody you want to marry you can go anywhere you want to go you can dress anyhow you want to dress you are free to do that but you don't just marry anybody go anywhere do anything say anything because of your responsibilities to god your responsibility to others and your responsibility to yourself what is it that keeps us back from using our power anyhow our responsibilities you have power to spend all the money you want freely nobody will stop you but what is it that stops you from spending all the money you have your responsibility towards your family and yourself and your friends so responsibility is the restraining factor 
to the use of power and liberty where you are not cognizant of your responsibility towards God you are not cognizant of your responsibility towards others you are not cognizant of your responsibility towards yourself you are likely to use power in a careless manner power is good God gives us power he gave us power he gave us without holding back the same way he will give wisdom and God wants to be free but God wanted to remember as a child of God that in the use of power in the use of liberty you must always be cognizant of your responsibility towards God your responsibility towards others and your responsibility towards yourself let me say this there are you have privilege of power you have privilege not just of power but you also have the privilege of liberty but you have three responsibilities as a child of God three responsibilities as a child of God number one you have the responsibility to do the will of God as a child of God you have the responsibility to do the will of God so as powerful as you are and as free as you are the fact that you have a duty to do the will of God does not allow you to use your power anyhow and does not allow you to use your liberty anyhow if you see anybody using their liberty anyhow they are not conscious of their responsibility towards God if you see anybody using their power anyhow they are not conscious of their responsibility towards God when God gives power not only do you have the privilege to use it but you have a responsibility to do the will of God with whatever he has given you Jesus said in John 4 34 he said my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work John 3 30 I can of my own will do nothing John 6 38 I came down from heaven not to do my own will but the will of he that sent me so God has given us power and you have access to power God has given you liberty and you can do anything freely but remember in the use of power and the use of liberty that you have the responsibility to do the will of God I can leave this time if I want nobody's gonna stop me I have the power to leave have the power to change anything I want to change but I know one thing that restrains me is I have to do the will of God I can live if I want to you can live if you want to that's the power you have it's the liberty you have but why don't you leave because lo I come as is the reason of me in the bottom of the books to do your will O Lord one journalist who interviewed me recently asked me one question he said why are you here he said you are free I said yes I'm free I said but I have a responsibility to do the will of God so that is the responsibility you see when you understand your responsibility it will curtail the use of your privilege it will help to put the use of your privilege in check the second responsibility you have the first responsibility is that you have the responsibility to do the will of God but the second responsibility you have is that you have the responsibility towards others not to use your power to harm them not to use your liberty to harm them anybody who is using power and does not care about whether someone else is harmed or anybody who is operating in liberty and does not care whether someone else is harmed by their liberty is only thinking about the privilege they have and not the responsibility they have you have responsibility for other people first Corinthians 8 9 he said take heed therefore brethren 
that your so-called liberty will not become a stumbling block to other people. Take heed, therefore, brethren. There are some things I can do, but I will not do because not that I can't do it, not that many people are not doing it, but because I believe I have a responsibility towards others because by doing it, I will hurt and harm them. Take heed, does this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to other people? I like one translation of that scripture. Listen to how he says it. He says it in such a beautiful way. He said, you must be careful that your freedom does not in any way hinder anyone whose faith isn't as robust as yours. So if you want to use power and you want to use liberty, you have the responsibility. And the fact that you have responsibility to show the proper examples, you have responsibility to show people how life is supposed to be lived, indicates that you will be curtailed in the reckless use into which you will have put power and the reckless use into which you will have put your liberty. Jesus was mindful of many things that he will have done because he did not want to hurt the conscience of those who were around him that were looking to him as examples. One translation of that scripture says it like this again. He said, but be careful. As the weak Christian may fall into sin because you do as you please. We have access to power. Yes. I can speak anyhow. I can dress anyhow. I can go anywhere. I can eat anything. Now that is, you are talking about your privilege. But you need to remember that you do not just have privileges, you also have duties. And so, let the remembrance of the duty you have curtail the use of the privileges you have. I can dress anyhow. But how many people will sin by looking at the way I dress? There's so much liberty. Yes, I can move. I can act. I can associate. But will somebody be hurt? Will somebody be harmed? If somebody is going to be harmed, if somebody is going to be hurt, it simply means that I'm only concerned about my privileges. I'm not concerned about my responsibilities. You have responsibility to do the will of God, but also you have responsibility not to hurt someone else. Then thirdly, the third responsibility you have, is that yes, you are free. Yes, you are powerful. But let me say this to you. If you use power and freedom without thinking of the responsibility you have towards God and towards others and towards yourself, it is unfortunate. Every one of us must be careful in what we do, the place we go, the words we speak, because at the end of the day, they affect us. At the end of the day, your so-called liberty a girl who believes that look you can't tell me what to do you can't tell me what man to go about with you can't tell me when to come in and when to go out of course if you leave you to yourself in the celebration of your privilege and soon you become pregnant or become infested with hiv or some sexually transmitted disease because you're not conscious of the responsibility of your actions on yourself what you do affects three people it affects God, it affects others, and it affects you. So if you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you refuse instruction, you will be it. Proverbs 29 verse 1. He that is often reproved and hardened at his neck shall shortly be broken and that without remedy. There are people we spoke to yesterday. Oh well, you are free to come in and go out of any ministry. 
You are free to leave a ministry and go to another ministry. You are free to leave a church and go to another church. You have the power, you have the freedom, but you have the responsibility to realize that there is a place God has set for you when it comes to destiny. And every tree does not grow in every soil. And every place is not the right place for everybody. Because the right place of somebody else does not mean it's the right place for me. Micah chapter 1 verse 3, he says God has arisen out of his own place. Every plant will only grow out of its own place. Privileges, yes. We have a privilege to be free. We have a privilege to receive power. But you also have a responsibility to, to do the will of God. You have a responsibility to, towards others. And you also have a responsibility towards yourself. There are some things I'm free to do. There are some things I have power to do. But why don't I do it? I don't do it because I have a duty to do the will of God. I don't do it because I have a duty not to hurt someone else whose conscience is, whose conscience is more tender than mine. And because I have a duty not to destroy my own life before the manifestation period. I don't know whether you understand. What I'm saying is so important. People are talking about their liberty nowadays. Their freedom. I can go. I can come. I can speak. I can dress. I can eat. I can listen to any music. I can be anywhere. I agree with you. Those are privileges that you enjoy. But you need to begin to think about your responsibility towards God. You have a duty to do the will of God. So in your liberty, be careful. You have a duty not to, to hurt someone else whose faith is not as robust as your own. So in your liberty and your freedom and your power, be careful. You also have a duty not to destroy your own life. First Corinthians 6.12 He said, all things are lawful to me. But all, th- all things are experienced. Then he said, all things are lawful. He said, but I will not be brought under the power of anything. I like this translation. Listen to what it says. First Corinthians 6.12 He said, I am free to do anything you say. He said, I am free to do anything. That's what you say. He says, but not all things are good for me. Another one says, I am free to do anything you say. But that doesn't mean everything is good for me to do. So the fact that you know that it may not be good for you to do will restrain the expression of the liberty you have. Will restrain the expression of the liberty you have. The fact that you know it is not all things. You are free to do anything. But in the final analysis it hurts you. In the final analysis it hurts somebody else. In the final analysis it hurts God. So that's not the fact that you have liberty and your power. Whatever you want to act. You think, is this the will of God? You think, will somebody be hurt by this? You begin to think, will it affect me? And those three considerations, which is a consideration of your responsibility, will usually limit the expression of your privileges. If this sinks into your heart, it will make you a better person in every direction. Now, having said that, let me say this. We have been talking about the fruit of the spirit, fruit of the spirit, and we have dealt with quite a number. The one I want to deal with today is called meekness. Meekness. How does it relate to what we are saying? How does it relate to what I'm talking about? We all have liberty. We all have the power of God, which we have access to as the resource of God. And indeed, we are free to employ the power. But we also have responsibility towards God, responsibility towards others, and responsibility towards ourselves. So, as a child of God, there is need for you to be careful, or like the word meekness means, there is need for you to be mild. There is need to be mild in the use of liberty. 
least Christians need a spirit of meekness. I will define mildness to you in a minute. I mean, I will define meekness to you. Christians need a spirit of meekness. Spirit of meekness simply talks about being mild. Being carefully mild in the way we use the liberty we have. And there is nobody that can create that mildness in you like the Holy Spirit. You need to pray, oh Lord, help me. A spirit of mildness is a spirit of modesty. A spirit of mildness is a spirit when you do not use liberty too far. Or you do not use power too far. Forgetting your responsibilities. As a pastor, I have, or as an apostle, I have a responsibility to God to do his will. I have a responsibility to God. Not just to God, but also to you. Not just to God and you, but also to myself. So, in whatever I'm going to do in liberty, in whatever I'm going to do with the power of God, I need to be mild. I always pray for the spirit of meekness. Meekness. The word meekness, what does it mean? <laughs> Let me give you a definition of meekness that will bless you. Meekness means not to use our power arrogantly or hurtfully. Not to use our power arrogantly or hurtfully. The word meekness in the Bible is a very good word. It is not the way that word meekness is translated in English language is not what it means in the Bible. In the English language, the word meekness means to be spiritless, to be a coward. It means to be a weak person. It means to be timid. It means to be shy. But in the Bible, the word translated meekness is the word praus, P-R-A-U-S. And in the New Testament, what that word simply means is this. Strength under control. That's what it means. I have power. I have liberty. But meekness says, put that strength of power and that strength of liberty because of your responsibility under control. Let me explain it further like this. A horse. Horse power is very strong power. When they want to describe the power of a generator, they said horsepower, 10 horsepower, 15 horsepower. That is to let you know that the horse is very powerful. The horse has a lot of power. The word praus in Greek was the word that was used to describe the process during which the horse is broken and tamed to such a point that it is now controlled by the bits and the bridle in its mouth. The horse is a wild thing. If you go to the wild and see horses, they are wild. They will kick, they will snort, they will shout, they will gallop. But what men have learned to do is to capture such horses and tame them and bring their power under control in such a way that by putting bits and bridle in its mouth, they can control it. That is what the word meekness means. Meekness simply means strength under control. Moses was a strong man who was not under control. 
But when God gave him the call, God brought him under control. And that's why Numbers 12, 3 said he was a meek man. Meekness does not mean the man is timid. It does not mean the man is not strong. It does not mean the man is not aggressive. But it simply means that everything about the man has been brought under control to the Holy Spirit. You are liberty, I agree. You have freedom, I agree. You have power, I agree. And you want, let me say it again. Meekness simply means, this under the of meekness, it means power, strength, and wildness under control. Meekness means to be modest. It is the opposite of a flamboyant and self-indulgent spirit. Meekness displays a sensitivity for other people. When a person is meek, he thinks about other people. When a person is meek, he thinks about God. When a person is meek, he doesn't think about here and now. He thinks about the future. Meekness is also translated mild. To be mild in temper. It is the quality of being mild in our response to injuries. It means to be slow to anger. And willing to be offended. It means you are not noisy. You are not loud. We need to pray for the spirit of meekness. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to produce the spirit of meekness in us. Some of us are so free and so widely free. Some of us are so powerful and so widely powerful that we need the Holy Spirit to work in us and bring us that strength under control. Subjecting us to the eternal spirit. Bringing up, you see, when people talk, I just know that that you see, when you see people the way they talk, the way they use their freedom and liberty, they don't want anybody to take any of them anything. It simply means that they are not meek yet, they are still wild horses using their liberty and using their freedom and using their power the way they want to. Power is not something you can use anyhow, use it and remember the responsibility you have. Don't use the power of youthfulness anyhow. Use it and remember there is a will of God for your life. Don't use the power of youthfulness anyhow. Use it and remember you are supposed to be an example to somebody else. Don't use the power of youthfulness anyhow. Use it and remember that there is a future you have that you cannot afford to mess up. Bring your strength under control. Allow the strength of liberty, the strength of, uh, of power to come under control. I'm going to say five things about meekness and then we're going to close. The first thing I want to say about meekness, I've already said it, that is to define meekness. To define meekness and I have defined it. It means not to use power arrogantly or hurtfully. It means to have your strength under control. When you look at Rivanaja, if you look at the way Rivanaja, the place Rivanaja is from, it is bosterious. The water is gushing, but they downed it. They tamed it. Actually, the word meekness means it carries with it the idea of being tamed. To tame it. To tame. To be tamed. And that is one thing the Spirit of God is doing in us. Not allowing you and I to use power and liberty anyhow. And if you allow him, he will do it. If you cooperate with him, he will achieve it. He will tame you. I was a wild person when I gave my life to Christ. Wild. Nobody tells me how to dress. You can't. Nobody tells me where to go. You cannot. Nobody tells me what to, how to speak. In those days, I used to refer to everybody as it. Look at it. It is coming. 
we call, we had a group of people, there were five of us, we call ourselves the Eat Circle. We demystify and de-emphasize and despise everything. Look at it. It called itself the principal. Look at it. Nobody tells me. And when I got saved, oh, liberty in the best way. I can sit anywhere I want to sit in the church. There are some people when they come into the church, you can't tell them where to sit. Their strength is not under control. It's not under control. You cannot by the spirit control. If you take them to sit, they will move away and go to another place. There are some sisters, you can tell them who to marry. You can bring cancer to bear. There are some businessmen, it's useless to try to advise them. There are some women, it's, it's wrong for you to try to tell them what to say to your husband. How to apologize. You can't. Their strength of liberty has not been brought under control. And for as long as you are like that, it means that what you are emphasizing is the privilege of the power and liberty you have without thinking about the responsibility you have towards God, towards others, and towards yourself. The second thing I want to talk about now, the importance of meekness. The importance of meekness. I will give you four or five or six or seven things. I know that. Number one, according to Zephaniah chapter 2 verse 3, he said meekness must be sought. You must seek to be meek. The same way you seek righteousness. In Zephaniah 2 3 he says seek righteousness. Then he says seek meekness. Look for it. In all of life circumstances, seek it. Do not let it be something that you allow to be in the back area of your life. Seek it. First Chronicles 16:11. He said, Seek the Lord, seek his strength. Psalm 27, verse 8. He said, When thou yet seek my face, my soul answered within me. Thy face, O Lord, will I seek. The same way you seek righteousness and the kingdom of God, according to Matthew 6:33, is the way you seek meekness. Seek to be more controlled by the Holy Spirit. Seek it. Number two thing about the importance of meekness is that it is an important spirit in learning and receiving truth. People who are going to learn needs to be meek. Whatever other strength you have, when it's time for learning, you keep quiet and listen. The reason why many people are not learning the way they are supposed to learn is that they are not meek. Jesus learned. Hebrews 5 8, he said he learned obedience by the thing that he suffered. And among the spirit that Jesus possessed, Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, he says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek. Meekness is important, a spirit to learn. If somebody is going to learn, he has to be meek. He has to be meek. You have to look away from who you are, what you have, and what you have been. And put every strength under control. Don't use your liberty. If you use your liberty anyhow, you cannot learn. If you answer something before you have had it, you are only showing you are a fool. I go to Proverbs 18 13. James 1 21. He says, But put away all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. The ability of the word of God to save somebody's soul is better manifested when the person is meek. I am meek and lowly in heart. I know nothing. When you are trying to learn, you need to be meek. I don't know anything about ministry. If you come with the attitude that you know everything, you will not hear anything. If you come with the attitude that I already know the scriptures, you will not see new things in it. Isaiah 61 verse 1. He said the spirit of the Lord is upon me because I don't know to preach the gospel to the meek. It takes meekness to hear and obey. 
That is the second thing about meekness. The third thing about meekness. Colossians 3.12 says, You should put on meekness. Put it on. Not just seek it, but put on meekness. To put on meekness simply means to cover yourself fully. In Colossians 3.13, it talks about having bowels of mercy, kindness, and meekness. Put it on. Ephesians 4.22, it says put off the old man. Ephesians 4 23. He said, Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Ephesians 4 24. He said, Put on the new man. Put it on like you put on a cloth. Be clothed with the garment of meekness. Let every area of your life be covered by it. Don't let your liberty or the fact that you are free become an issue in any area. In marriage, be clothed. In finance, be clothed. In spiritual things, be clothed. Be clothed with meekness. Bring your strength under control. Number four. According to 1 Timothy 6 verse 11, he said we should follow after meekness. Follow after meekness. Like you follow after righteousness, faith, patience, love. People tell us to follow faith, to follow love, to follow patience. But many people don't talk about following hard after meekness. Follow hard after meekness. Don't just be close with it, but follow hard after meekness. The same way you follow faith and love and patience and righteousness, follow hard after meekness. Number five. Another important thing about meekness is this it is something useful. In dealing with opposition by others, meekness is useful when you deal with opposition by others. Let me say this to you in life people will oppose you. Moses was opposed in the wilderness, and that is why the Bible tells us he was meek. Numbers 12 3. The place where the Bible mentioned it was the place where he was being opposed. When you are opposed and you have arguments, bring it under control. When Christ was opposed, he had things to say. But he kept quiet. It takes more strength to keep quiet when you speak than speak when you are supposed to speak. We talk too often. We talk too loudly. We talk too much. We need to be meek. A meek person only speaks when it's necessary. Only says a few words as it's important. If you want to know a fool, a fool is known by multitude of words. Proverbs 17:27. He said, even a fool, if he holds his mouth, is regarded to be a wise person. Being meek is something when you, that you need in dealing with opposition by others. First Peter chapter 3, verse 15. He said, Give an answer to everyone that asketh you. A reason of the hope that is in you with all meekness. When you answer them, it should be strengthened under control. You should not engage them in the shouting match. You should not engage them in something that will not let them know the difference. A child of God is known by the fruit of meekness. Jesus said, I am meek and lowly in heart. The way he answers is by... The Bible says, the word of God says, a soft tongue breaketh the bones. You will always need meekness in dealing with opposition. Because you are going to be opposed. The sixth thing I would like to say is that 
Meekness is a crucial thing when you are ministering to other people. The way we minister to other people is the reason why they are not changed. We need meekness when we minister to people. At times when someone backslides, you need meekness. You are free to say anything you want to say. You are free to treat them anyhow you want to. But God says, do it in the spirit of meekness. Galatians 6 1. He said, When the brother is overtaking the fault, let them who are spiritual do what? Restore such a what in the spirit of meekness. Why is it that many backsliders don't come back to church? Why? Because we are not making the way we bring them home. We are not making the way we address them. We give them a piece of our mind. Ah, you know, here you will die. You will go to hell. What's wrong with you? Now, a meek person takes into recognition the feeling of somebody else. He's not brash. He's not loud. He does not use his power and liberty anyhow. He brings it under control. You control the way you feel. You feel like slapping the person. But you control. That is meekness. Restore, let them who are spiritual. What makes meekness is a quality of a spiritual person. If you have not been able to bring your liberty under control, if you have not been able to bring your, your, the use of power under control, you are not meek yet. I remember some years ago we went to Benin. I went to Auchi on our way to Benin. A friend of this ministry was starting his ministry, so we went there. We were supposed to leave the auditorium by 8. But we were still there by 10 o'clock. And there was this group of people who were booked to use the auditorium from 10.30. And so by 10 o'clock, they had a mask outside the auditorium. And when they we would not come out, they came in. And they carried the pulpit and carried me and carried everybody who was on the stage. Carried our microphones, pulled them out. Our guitar and drum helped us pack into one corner. And the man we invited me said, No, you will die here today. You will look here. You are not just you die today. Now that is not meekness. The boy said, We will not die. It is you who have extended the use of your time. You are supposed to have left here by 8 o'clock. You are still here by 10 o'clock. No, you will not die. So I called the man apart. I said, Stop this. He said, No, my bro. Ah, we need to be militant. In the spirit of meekness. That is not meekness. And it is not a fight that is according to right. I preached a message years ago where you should not fight. There is a message where you should fight. And there is, there is also another message where you should not fight. Where you should not fight is when you are wrong. The spirit of meekness is the spirit you need in ministering to people. You will be able to get across to people if you minister to them in meekness. If you harness your strength and bring it under the control of the Holy Spirit. Years ago, I used to preach a terrible gospel. A terrible about hell. You are going to hell. You will born again. If you don't come again, you are going to hell. You will die in hell. So I preached to one man. I was telling him you will die in hell. Hell is a bad place. The worms there don't die. The fire there don't quench. It's a terrible place. It's a place where you you will be hot. You will be heated until you evaporate. And the man said, have you finished? I said, yes. He said, carry me now to hell. He said that if you don't carry me to hell, you are not a good Christian. You are describing. He said, carry me. He said, I want to go there. He said, what the hell are you describing? That is what I'm already living here on earth. Without light, without water. He said, you are talking about hell. He said, what are you saying? He said, that's where I'm living already. He said, carry me there now. 
So I had to change my taxes. I had to say, no, that's not what we are saying. He loves it so much. He said, hey! The reason why we don't have the attention is because we don't minister to them in meekness. We are breathing judgment, fiery stone, fire! That's why we are breathing down their necks. Another thing is this. The last thing about the importance of meekness is that it must be demonstrated. Always demonstrate meekness. In Genesis 13, the, the hard men of Abraham and Lot, we are almost about to fight. Abraham called Lot. He says, there is no reason for us to fight. We are brethren. Now that is meekness. That is meekness by excellence. They were stoning Stephen. In Acts chapter 7, verse 60, he says, Oh Lord, lay not this into their charge. Meekness means to respond sensitively to injury. The people that stood against Alexander the Coppersmith, 2 Timothy 4 16, Paul said, Oh Lord, lay not this into their charge. That is meekness. I want to show you another meekness. Open to 1 Samuel 10. Let me show you meekness here. This is how it is like. Demonstrate it. Don't just say, I am meek. Show it. 1 Samuel 10. I read from verse 26. You see, Saul even operated meekness. David operated the meekness. Jesus demonstrated meekness. Verse 26 and 27. And Saul, this is 1 Samuel 10. And Saul also went home to Gibeah. And there went with him a band of men whose heart God had touched. But the children of Belial said, How shall this man save us? And they despised him and brought him no present. Do you know he could have used his power against them? Do you know he could have, he could have killed them? Do you know that? He was king. He had just been anointed king. Men whose heart God touched followed him home. But some sons of Belial said, Man, what kind of a person is this? The Bible said, And they despised him and brought him no present. But what did he do? He held his peace. That is meekness. He held his peace. He never quarreled. He never begrudged them. He held his peace. You need meekness to live in this world. When you are being celebrated that those people who are not happy about it, you need meekness to deal with them. Number three thing I want to say. I told you I will say five things. How can I cultivate meekness? How can I? I will have said, let us look at the example of Moses. Because the Bible said in Numbers chapter 12 verse 3, he was the meekest man on the face of the earth. But you know what happened? Later in Numbers 21, Moses forgot about his meekness. The strength that was under control broke. And Moses spoke out, insulted the people of God. He struck the rock two times instead of once. So we cannot use Moses to learn how to cultivate meekness. Okay, what about Paul? Can we not use Paul? Paul was someone who was meek too. First Corinthians 11 1. He said, Be you followers of me as I'm of Christ. 2 Corinthians 10 1. Paul was besieging the Corinthian Christians with the meekness of Christ. But in 1 Timothy 1 20, he forgot about his meekness. What did he do? He committed people to Satan to be destroyed. He said, he said there were two people who opposed him and offended him. He said he had to hand them to Satan so that they can be destroyed in the flesh. 
that their sleep may be saved. So who is our best example? Jesus Christ is the only example. And look at what he said. He said this is how to cultivate meekness. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Then listen to what he says. He says, take my yoke on you and learn of me. The way to cultivate meekness is to learn from Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ never lived an independent life. He was free to do whatever he wanted to do. He was powerful to call angels down to distract those people that came to capture him and kill him. But Jesus was always concerned about the will of the Father. The Father who, let, who sent me and said, I have not let me alone. He was always concerned about being an example to the apostle. And he was always concerned about his own mission upon the earth. So who do we learn meekness from? Jesus. So what should be our prayer? Holy Spirit, walk into our lives. The very nature and the very likeness of Jesus. As a child of God, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John over and over. And ask yourself one question in every situation. If Jesus were to be in this situation, what will he do? They hated him without a cause. They lied against him. Did he try to defend himself? They called him names. The prince of devils. You are a principality. You are Satan. Personified. Did he ever bother? When he was reviled, he did not revile. When he suffered, he threatened not. But committed himself. Committed himself to him that judgeth righteous. If you want to cultivate meekness, he said, take my yoke upon you. Try to be like me. Who come with me? I never did anything on my own. I never did anything. I never answered anybody on my own. The words that I speak, they are not mine. It's the Father that dwelleth in me that doeth the works. When things are tough and rough, you ask yourself one question, what will Jesus do? What will he say? How will he treat this impossible person? Will he answer every insult? Will he respond to every criticism? Will he be angry at every name that is called? Take my yoke and of me. That is what the Holy Spirit is doing. He's chiseling into us the image of the Son of God. What the Holy Spirit is trying to do is produce in you and I the image of Jesus Christ. God who commanded light to shine out of darkness have shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We all with open faces beholding us in the glass the glory of God. We are changed. One thing you need to ask yourself is what will Jesus do? What will Jesus say? He said take my yoke. He said I'm meek and lowly in heart. He said that if you do it my way you will find rest. The strength of Jesus was always under control. My God. Look, when they came to capture him, and Peter took a sword and cut the high priestman's ears. You know what Jesus said? He said, put down, put the sword back into its sheet. For they that live by the sword, perish by the sword. He said, if I want now, I can ask. And he will do what? He will send me 10,000 angels. But why did he not ask? 
his responsibility towards God, his responsibility towards you and I, his responsibility towards himself, made him not to use the liberty of the power he had anyhow. In John 18, we are told, read from verse 1 to 6, when they came to Jesus to arrest him, they could not recognize him, so they asked, who among you is Jesus? And Jesus said, who are you looking for? He said, it's Jesus Christ. And the Bible said, Jesus said, here am I. And the people that came, all of them fell down. And we are slain in the spirit. At that point, what will he have done? Walked away. He said, no, sir. He would have left. He would have gone. He would have walked away. But he did not use his power and liberty anyhow. He remembered his responsibility to God the Father. He is a lamp of God that is slain from the very foundation of the world. He remembered his duty to you and I. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. He remembered his duty to himself. Lo, I come, as is written of me in the volume of the books, to do your will. If you want to cultivate meekness, you have to take his yoke, hook up to him, and be less independent. Many of us are saying things and doing things and going to places in a way different from the way Jesus would have done it. Jesus was not independent when he was here. <laughs> I came down from heaven not to do my will, he said. But the will of he that sent that's the kind of life he lived. Surrender to God. Number four, because of time. I'm going to close in the next five, seven minutes. Number four. How can I know whether I'm meek or not? How can I know whether I'm meek? Or how can I know the degree to which I have become meek? How can I know? You and I should be, be able to test ourselves. 2 Corinthians 13 verse 5. He said, examine yourself. Lamentations 340. He said, let us try. Let us examine our ways. How can I know whether I'm meek? I will give you five ways in which you can know whether you're meek or not. Number one. To what extent is the will of God important to you in everything you do? To what extent is the will of God important? Meekness simply means an absolute surrender to the will of God in the place of every other thing. To what extent is the will of God important? Why is Reverend George in this town the will of God? No other reason. Nothing. The will of God. Why are you doing what you are doing? The will of God. One of my classmates who is now a deputy commissioner of police here. That is in Guara State. I learned he was here, so I sent one of our people to him to tell him that, well, just to greet him and to tell him that I'm fine. He brought out the graduation list of 1978 when we finished from UI. Where you underlined my name. So he asked the person, he said, am I, am I a professor now? So that person said, no, that I'm a minister. I said, ah! He said, by now, somebody like me should have become a professor. He said, because the rate at which I was going then. And you know something? If you are going to talk about what I wanted to be, I wanted to be in the academics. The gospel I'm preaching today and what I'm doing wasn't what I planned for. In fact, if I knew this was what God was planning for me, I probably would not get saved. I would have preferred to remember because I had such a love for academic work. I, have such, I had such a love for academic work. For you to know you are meek. Is to what extent is the will of God important in how you talk? If you talk and you know you are wrong, do you apologize? 
go to places and you know it's the wrong place to go, do you repent? If you dress in a way and you know somebody's hurt by it, do you change? It's an indication of meekness. To what extent is the will of God the controlling force? Some people do things out of anger. I'm angry, so I'm going. Uh, I would prefer that you go if that is the will of God for you. But if it is not the will of God and you are going in anger, James 1.20 says, The wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. Nobody ever did anything out of anger in the Bible and did it correctly. Nobody. Nobody. But if that is the will of God for you, fine. Number two, how can I know if I'm meek? The second way you can know you are meek is this. When you do not rise up defensively, when your feelings are ruffled, you know you are meek when you don't rise up defensively when your feelings are ruffled. If your feeling is ruffled and you rise up defensively, you argue, you plead, you, you are not meek. A meek person will not rise up when his feelings are ruffled. We read about Saul, the Bible said he held his peace. He kept quiet. In 1 Samuel 29, when you look about David, talking about David, the Bible says, David, when, when his brother said, what are you looking for here? Why are you here? Go back. Look at those stay with those sheep. You are here. To come and look at the battle. David answered and said, what have I not done? Is there not a cause? Now that is meekness. Meekness is when you turn the other cheek. Not when you shout. Not when you scream. Not when you foam in the mouth. When your feelings are ruffled. So am I meek? When your feelings are ruffled and you can be quiet. That is strength under control. When they lie against you. And you raise up your hand and say. He that justifies me is near. That is strength under control. When they beat you up the way you beat up Jesus Christ. They beat up Jesus Christ. And they never stretch your feet. Look at Jesus has just said. Die! Everybody that will appear. All things were made by him. Without him was nothing made that was made. He was before all things and in him all things consist. The breath of man was in his hands. He could have caught 10,000 angels. When they knock him to the world, when they put him on the cross, he would have come down. Do you know he could come down? He could come down. But he says, I'm meek and lowly in heart. He chose to stay there because of his duty. Not because he was not free. Not because he did not have the power. He chose to stay there. Because of his duty. He would have come down. There was a time they took him to... How many of you have read this in the Bible? There was a time they took him to the edge of the cliff after preaching. What did the Bible say? He said he turned and walked away. Nobody could stop him. <laughs> Nobody could stop him. So if he had wanted not to be captured, if he had wanted not to be put there, using his liberty and power, the way you use yours, you will not be saved now. You will not be saved now. Hey, I'm free to marry who I want to. I agree, you have the liberty. And you have the power. But, remember, you have a duty to God to do his will. You have a duty to your children who are coming behind you. Because if you marry the wrong person, you may not be around when your children are born. In that house. Many of us are from disorganized families. Parents and husbands, parents who lived apart. Why? Because the will of God was not important. And because they did not consider the duty they had to us. When they were doing many other things they were doing. 
Now you and I are here. Our fathers have seen Lamentation 5 7. And they are no more. And we, their children, are now eating the sour grapes. Number four, or number three now. How do I know if I'm meek? You will know you are meek if you don't crave to have the preeminence as Diotrephes. There's a man known as Diotrephes, D I O T R E P H E S, in Third John 9. He always wants to have the preeminence. You will know you are meek if you don't crave to have the preeminence. But you only want Jesus Christ to have the preeminence. According to Colossians 1.18. Do you always want to have the preeminence? Say what they call Ophema. You, want Ophema. you always want to have the upper hand. Let me say that. You always want to have the upper hand. There are some people. If you beat them, they beat you back. You speak, they speak. They will want to be the last person who spoke. Now that is the example of somebody who is not meek. They always want to have. They always want to have the preeminence. They want to be the person that speaks last. Now that's an indication they don't have a prayer. That is an indication they are not meek. But if you say no, 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 don't worry, don't worry. After you keep quiet, the person keeps speaking. It's okay. It's okay. That has meekness. You allow him to keep speaking. You are not interested in having the preeminence. There is nothing about you that wants you. To be seen. Do you want to be seen? Do you want to be known? Or do you want to operate in the back? There are some people they will never donate money until you come tell them to go and announce the microphone. Now that is not meekness. That's why in churches you must announce what they have given. Chief Johnson Kalu has given three million. When you don't bring them, when you don't allow them to have preeminence, they are hurt. They are unhappy. They feel you are looking down on them. They feel you don't respect them. The problem is lack of meekness. Those who do things that count never ever stop to count them. If they always want to be in front, you know there are some people like that. Always want to be in front. She can't even. Always want to be seen. Always, you know, make people. They hide. Jesus hid. He had to hide. In John 7, you read, you read from verse 4. Members of his family said, Look, if a man is doing the kind of miracles you are doing, ah, he go out there and, ah, and everybody will know him. If a man is doing this kind of miracle, Jesus told them, He said, As for you, your time is always, but my time has not yet come. He didn't want to have the, he always wanted to hide, to hold back. He didn't want to be seen. If there is a desire to always want to be seen, there is a hunger and thirst to always have the preeminence, to always be out, to always be. You always want to be the person that does it. You always want to be the person ahead of everybody. You want to be recognized. You want to be shoulder and head above everybody. That's not meekness. The person that should be seen is Jesus Christ, not you. A meek person says he must increase. John 3 30. I must decrease. A meek person says, and if it's lifted up, that's what is. You know something about me? I am shy of publicity. For so many years, for those of you who have been in this ministry, we, we print handbills with my picture not being on it. The billboards we have out there, if it is not for convention, my picture is not on the regular. 
regular billboard. Why? I believe that Jesus is the only person that is worth attracting to everybody. There are some people that, people that will see my picture and say, look at him. And we're carrying done. And they will not come. I remember the years ago, one man came to me and said, I told him, I said, why don't you give your tithe and offering? He said, well, whenever you say we should pay tithe, you say we should give it to God. He said, but every time when they are collecting the offering, I look around for angels to come and collect it, I don't see any angel. It is human beings that collect it and pay it to the bank. And you are the one who write the check and sign so I'm not giving to God, I'm giving to you, it's you. So that's why I don't pay that. I don't want to give to you. Whatever you want to use the money for, I will use it too. <laughs> A meek person does not want to have the preeminence. There is no calculated attempt to bring themselves forward. They don't want to be seen. That is meekness. They don't want to be seen. They want to stay in the back, in the corner. They will still do what they are going to do. But they don't want to be seen. Lastly, point number five. Benefits and blessings of meekness. Benefits and blessings. <coughs> I told you I would say five things. Number one, definition. Number two, importance. Number three, how I can cultivate uh, meekness. Number four, uh, how can I know I'm meek? Number five, the blessings of meekness. Oh, meekness is so beneficial. It carries many promises and many blessings. The first blessing of meekness is rest. Rest. Marriages are upside down because one or one of the part, one or both partners are not meek. You will have rest in your marriage if you become meek. Become meek. I don't know why women. God told us in First Peter three four. He said, "Women, he said, what I wanted to have an, as an ornament is the ornament of a meek and a quiet spirit, which in the sight of God is of great price. There will be rest in the church, rest in the home, rest in the job place, rest at school when those of us who are Christians become meek." Scripture, Matthew eleven twenty nine. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lonely in heart, and you shall find rest. The meeker you become, the more the rest. When people pick quarrel against you and you just keep quiet, you find rest. You don't just allow it to bother you. You bring your strength under control. Let me give you a good example. I told somebody this. I was on a tube in England. This is my last visit. And I was speaking on the phone. And a redneck, that is a white man, who hates black people, just gave me a blow. I turned, I looked, I said, what happened? He said, you are going on and on in your conversation on the telephone. You are disturbing us. What's wrong with you? I kept... The next one again. <laughs> but you know something that amazed everybody there? The way I kept quiet. I just looked at him. I continued my conversation. He gave me three blows. The third one. 
You know, I could easily have said, Nobody knows me here now. Anointing, follow me. But I, people were shocked. Everybody was looking. There was a great calm inside the coach. And one white man said, You boy, you are a stupid boy. Can't you see the man is older than you? Can't you see the man is talking about something very important? And the boy looked at him. There was a great calm. There was rest. If I had not been meek and lowly in heart, and I said, ah, but rest rest came to me rest came to everything that's the first blessing of meekness the second blessing Matthew 5 5 Psalm 37 verse 11 it's a blessing that the meek in heart for they shall inherit the earth. Psalm 37 verse 11. He said they shall inherit the earth. Actually the literal Hebrew says. In Psalm 37 verse 11. He said they will be the people to impact the earth. Men of meekness have great impact. To inherit the earth does not mean that you become yours. Because the earth is the Lord it will not become yours. Psalm 24 verse 1. The earth is the Lord and the fullness. But to inherit the earth means you will have great impact on the earth. That is another blessing. Another blessing of meekness, Psalm 22 verse 26, he said, the meek shall eat and be satisfied. Satisfaction. God has promised the meek satisfaction. Another blessing of the meek, Psalm 147 verse 6. Listen to this. He said, the Lord lifted up the meek. Promotion. Jesus was meek, he was promoted. Paul was meek, he was promoted. David was meek, he was promoted. Moses was meek, he was promoted. The Lord lifted up the meek, but he threw it down the wicked. Another blessing and promise. Psalm 149 verse 4. He said, he will clothe the meek. With the beautiful garment of salvation. God will beautify the meek. That is another blessing of the meek. He will beautify the meek. What am I saying? There are quite a number of blessings from being meek and lowly in heart. It is something to be put on. It is something to be followed. It is something to be sought. It is a spirit that is good for those who want to learn. And that is what we are talking about when we say meekness. Meekness means carefully considering your responsibility in the use of your privileges. Many times in time past when I thought, I will leave this town. And God will say to me, there are destinies that have been scheduled to be birthed through you. Your leaving this town will prevent those destinies from being birthed. I had the liberty and I had the power to live. But I did not. Why? Because I consider the responsibility I have towards you. When I travel the nations, I preach, I teach. 
I'm considering the responsibility I have towards myself. When I come back home here and come here on Wednesday and preach on Sunday, I'm considering the responsibilities I have towards you. Because God brought you here that you and I may meet, that I may impact you for two, three years, that you may go on your life journey. And so for me to be out of place and not be in the place of God's choosing is for us not to meet. And for us not to meet will be some destinies will not be born. Never ever think that it will be born anyhow. It will not. Because in the plan and the program of God, he has destined that our paths will cross. He has destined that you and I should know. And so in the use of my liberty, in the use of my power. Yesterday I was on my bed. 5.30. Or this morning. I was on my bed and reading and praying in tongues and looking at the ceiling. And, and I was just saying this to myself. I'm not doing this because of myself. I'm not reading out. If I want to read the Bible for myself, I read by 1 o'clock, by 2 I sleep. But I was quite sure that you are going to be here this morning. I know God was going to bring you from far near for you to hear this word. And that is why I had the liberty to use my power to sleep. Nobody was keeping me awake. It was with a great effort on my part that I was keeping awake. I wasn't using my liberty and my power recklessly. I was thinking about you. Because God is thinking about you. You may be poor and needy, but God is thinking about you. Psalm 115 verse 12. He said, I'm poor. Psalm 40, 17. He said, I'm poor and needy, but thou Lord thinketh about me. Psalm 115 verse 12. He said, the Lord is mindful of me. There are so many blessings in the meek. The meek person, another blessing is guidance. Psalm 25 verse 9. He said, the meek shall he guide in judgment. The meek shall he guide. If you are a meek person, be sure of one thing. That God will never leave you nor forsake you. He will always guide you. I was talking this morning about an essential for Christians. Christians means to be Christ-like. Jesus said, my yoke is easy. He said, take my yoke. Verse 29 of Matthew 11. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I'm meek. Jesus said, that is my spirit. Meekness is my spirit. Luke 6, 40 said, a disciple cannot be greater than his master. So what is the essential thing you and I need to have? Meekness. You need to put it on. Demonstrate it follow after you need it to minister to people you need it to deal with opposition you need to grow in meekness I've given this testimony before years ago when I was exam officer in Kualapuli there was an exam leakage in the department of law department of legal practice and when they had to tell the HOD I've been told there is an exam leakage here the next thing the HOD did, I've never seen that kind of thing before. He gave me a slap. He slapped my face. I saw stars. I looked at him like this. My body said, give it back to him. My mind said, how can you allow this man to slap you? A refugee for that matter from Ghana. Give him. But my spirit said, a soft tongue breaketh the bones. 
I looked at him and I said, in the spirit of meekness, somebody who had just slapped me and I was seeing stars. I looked at him and I said to him, what have I done to you that you slapped me? And the man looked at me and fell on the ground on his knees and started crying. An old man. He said, I've always known that the day is coming when you will do something that you can't have redemption from. That you have slapped him out of God. You have finished too, my soul. You have finished too. I look at the power of meekness. One thing about meekness is that meekness will not give them an answer. It is God who will give them an answer. Meekness does not step in to prove anything. It's God. Moses was meek. Numbers 12, verse 3. Miriam and Aaron came together and they were criticizing him. For the woman that she married, she married an Ethiopian woman. Miriam was the first daughter of the family. She was 85 years. Aaron was the next child. He was 84. And Moses was the last born. He was 83. So the big sister and the big brother felt that they should determine who Moses should marry. So they started gossiping behind him. Moses was not there to hear. He was the meekest of all men. If they had told him, he would have done nothing. But according to Isaiah 15 verse 8, he is there that justifies me. The Bible says in, in Numbers 12, I think verse 2 or 3, it says, the Lord had it. The battle is not for the meek man to fight. You shall not need to fight in this battle. Just be still. And see the salvation of God. Which he has prepared for you. For the adversaries and enemies you see today. He said you see them no more forever. Meekness has so many blessings and benefits and promises. So many blessings and wonderful things that come from meekness it is the spirit of Christ not using your liberty and your power arrogantly strength under control we know you can do anything we know you are free but consider what is the will of God consider what the effect will be one man blessed me so much he came to me and said sir I want to talk to you so I sat down he said, he said they have offended me in our church they offended me I said okay I said what did they do he said this is what they did this is what I said that's fine he said but I cannot leave I said why he said there are three reasons why I cannot leave he said, they, they did all the things you can think anybody can do to me. He said, but I'm not leaving. I said, why? He said, one, I know it's not the will of God for me to leave. He said, I feel hot. I feel bad. I feel used. I feel trampled upon. I feel insulted. He said, but I know it's not the will of God for me to leave. He said, secondly, he said, when I said I was going to leave, he said, my children, three of them came to me and said, we are not leaving. He said, you are not leaving. I brought you and I will take you. He said, the children said they were not leaving. Uh, why? He said, because they had made good friends. They were at home in the children's church. They were growing in the faith, so they are not going to leave. 
He said, then thirdly, sir, I want to say something again. I said, what is it? He said, many of the good things in life that came my way. He said, I went to that church as a poor person. I went to that church as a single person. I went to that church as somebody who was confused. I didn't know my left from my right. He said, many of the good things in my life came through the teaching and the preaching from the pulpit. He said, I cannot deny all of that. So I cannot leave also because I know that my tree may not survive in another soil. He said, so pray for me. I said, ah, are you taking it? He said, I'm taking it in a good spirit. I'm still very active. I still labor. I still walk. I'm still obedient. Because I believe it's the will of God. And because my children feel at home. And because I know that my life has been transformed. And every good thing that I've had in life. I've come from the pulpit of that ministry. Now that is meekness. When you take Jesus and what he says and means higher than your feelings and your emotions. I want to challenge you today. And this is the bottom line of what I'm saying. This is an essential attribute, fruit that you and I should cultivate. Am I meek? That's the question. Am I meek? I want you to study this subject further yourself. Am I meek? Because I know that that is one thing God is trying to do in our life, every one of us. May the Lord bless his word to our spirits. Bow your heads wherever you are. And essential for Christians. Meekness. Meekness. We are free. We are powerful. But in the use of our power and our freedom, we consider our responsibility and duties. Precious Father, thank you for your word that has gone forth. You send your word and your word healed us and your word delivered us. Walk in the hearts of every young man and young woman. Change us gloriously by your power for destiny. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Every head is still bowed. Every eye is still closed. Nobody's looking left or right. If you are a born again child of God and you are filled with the Holy Spirit and you speak in tongues, raise up your hand. If you are a born again child of God, raise up that hand properly. Properly. Raise it properly. What you are saying by that raised up hands is that you are a born again child of God. Now with that hand raised up, I want you to open your eyes. Only those whose eyes are only those whose hands are raised. Open your eyes. The remaining people by your head. The remaining people by your heads. Only those whose hands are raised. Please look to your right and look to your left. Look behind you and look in front of you depending on where you are sitting. Tap on that person's shoulder whose hand is not raised. Tap on that person's legs or thigh whose hand is not raised. Tap them on the shoulder. And tell them. Tap them on the shoulder for me. Tap those people on the shoulder for me. Tell them to come to the front so that I can pray for them. Come on. Come now. Those whose hands are not raised. Come right now. Come right now. Come, 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 come. Come, 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 come. 
Hello, hello, hello. Come, 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 come. Quickly, 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 quickly. Wherever you are, pat them on the shoulder. Say, go to the front. Go to the front. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Pat them on the shoulder. Tap them on the shoulder. No singing yet. No singing yet. Pat them on the shoulder. Tell them to come. Encourage somebody sitting by you. Don't let anybody near you. Tap them on the shoulder. Say, go to the front. Let them pray for you right now. Right now, go to the front. Let them pray. Come here now. Let me pray for you. Come here. Come here. Let me pray. Let me pray. God bless you. Where are you? Where are you? Let me pray for you right now. I want to pray for you. That's why God brought you here. That's why God brought you here. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Let me pray for you. Put your hand on your chest, those of you in front. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you because of the way you have drawn these people to yourself. No one can come to you except you draw them. Thank you because of the way you have touched them. And for what you intend to do for them and do to them today. I commit them to your hand as they are going to be prayed for and prayed with. Let the power of your spirit change their lives. Let the Holy Spirit strengthen them. Let the power of your spirit wash them, clean them. And let it be that as they are going to be prayed with and prayed for your presence and power flow upon their lives. And they will never remain the same. We honor Father. We honor you and thank you because we know you have heard us. Thank you because this is the day you have made for them. And they will never remain the same again. Fill their hearts to overflow with your love and your grace. Thank you Father. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Open your eyes.